Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm so grateful to Pastors Jurgen and Leanne. What a dream to be under their covering and their breakthrough that we get to be a part of a church that is fresh, that is real, that is powerful. I consider myself blessed. And I know that you guys do too. And I'm so wonderfully excited and honored to be able to speak here. And I, I don't take it lightly. This platform has been built with blood, sweat, tears in the presence of God. And um, I'm so grateful to pastors John and Becky. What a magnificent campus pastors you guys have. You've got the best in them and what a beautiful team. And I'm so glad that we've been friends forever. <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, and I'm gonna share some things that we've learned from 15 years ago as well. And um, the message that I'm gonna be bringing today, I'm really excited about. God really opened up the scriptures to me months ago uh, from the book of Job, which is a book that a lot of people don't like reading. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm kind of like that. I, I kind of go for those, those types of things. And so I'm gonna just be sharing out of that revelation and hopefully kind of button up some things from conference. And don't worry, men, I've got points in scriptures. We're gonna be good. <laughs> gonna be great. Um, the title of my message is When Sparks Fly, Keep Fighting. When sparks fly, keep fighting. I really believe this is gonna be a message of helping us to get bigger on the inside for breakthrough in our relationships and our friendships. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now that's a lovely scripture. When I was thinking about, I was like, wow, iron sharpening iron, like that's an odd picture for relational health. I would think that God would put angel wings, rainbows, care bears, something, but iron sharpening iron, metal on metal, sparks flying, what a picture. And I began to think about, wow, like God, he, he puts those pictures in there for a reason. And metal on metal is not meant to cut us and have us to be bleeding out. It's meant to sharpen us. And when that happened, there are some sparks that fly. But if we can stay committed to the journey, I believe we can really gain some relational health. I realize this, if there's never a point of contention, then how deep is the connection? Like you ever gone through something, come out the other side, I'm, there's, some, there's some depth, there's some grit to hold on to. And I kind of know a little something about that. I'm Italian and Jewish raised Christian. So in my family, it's quite a lot of contention um, and fights, but fights done right. And I want to share from that. And, you know, when I was growing up, I was uh, a junior in high school. My parents are missionaries in Ecuador. And I, in the 10th grade, junior in high school, go to, uh, sorry, the 11th grade, I went to the capital city of Ecuador, Quito, and I went to an international boarding school. And it wasn't because I was being sent off for being rebellious. Um, I wish I could tell those stories, but it wasn't. And um, 
<laughs> I, I went there because my parents were establishing the Christian churches in our city, and I really wanted Christian friends, and this was a Christian school, and so I went there. But the first semester I was there, it was a root of awakening because they had just swapped out the dorm parents. So there were these dorm parents that were from Texas, loveliest people on the planet, and they got promoted real quick, and then they put these other people in rather quickly. And the moment I arrived there, I realized something was really wrong. And they began to just turn that dorm less into a house and a dorm and more into a prison. They told us things like, your parents don't exist anymore. We're here to rule over you. I'm like, hmm, something's not right here. And then they said this. They said, we're a family that doesn't fight. You will never see us fighting. You will not see our two children fighting ever. And they were true to their word. It was the oddest thing I had ever seen. They were robotic in the way that they moved and honestly very cold-hearted. And I was so confused. And coming from an Italian Jewish, I mean, we fight just talking, like it sounds like it at least. And so I was like bewildered by this whole concept. And and so we had the previous dorm parents started realizing something was very wrong. They did a little investigation. Long story short, they pulled their background check and found out that these two people were certified psychopaths diagnosed that way. So this was a real deal. So they, <laughs> they took them out. Those beautiful Texans came back, and it was a great story. I stayed there from that point forward. But, um, but I realized now, whenever I see anybody that's like super perfect on the outside that never fights and looks perfection, my little brain says, just how psycho are they? <laughs> I don't know if it's right or wrong. I haven't been convicted by God, so, so there you have it. <sighs> You gotta learn how to fight right. Um, a counselor once told me that people form deeper bonds from the point of pain than, than, than even at the point of happiness or joy. Because when you've been there and you've gone through something and you come out the other side, come on, that's real relationship. My father, when I first got into ministry, said, Stacy, do more funerals than weddings. And, I, and, and he broke down what he was talking about. What he's saying is absolutely be there for people in their celebrations. Be there for people on the mountaintops. It's right to do so. But be there when people are going through the time of their life. Be there when the unexpected has happened and it can't, they can't make sense of it all. Be there in the moments that count. And I always took that to heart. Uh, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, years ago when we first came onto the team and first came onto staff, I remember them telling us, uh, when you come onto our staff... You cannot not be friends with each other. You have to be friends. And they said, and in fact, you can't walk into a room and if you see somebody and you're like, want to give the stink eye or the culture, unacceptable. That is unacceptable on our team and our staff. Well, I'm like, that sounds great. Of course, who doesn't want to be friends with the people they work with and do life with? Of course. Except for the fact that they hire very passionate people. And you want us to be passionate. We should be passionate in our calling, passionate for our convictions, passionate for the things of God. But how many people know when they say, here's the destination, there's a lot of ways to get there. And so they told us, they said, when conflict happens, you need to go in a room, you need to work it out. And once the decision has been made, even if it wasn't yours, you walk out like you owned it, like it was yours, like you made that decision. How many people know that's a big difference than walking out of the room and going, well, we're doing it because he said, huh? <laughs> no, it's, it's my decision now. Not only that, they said, and that week, you have to have dinner with each other. You can attest to this. This happened. 
Do you know how hard it is to sit across the table, annoyed for an hour? <laughs> you wind up being friends again. It's a really great, it's a really great lesson. When sparks begin to fly, I found that it might just be the sign and opportunity for a deep and meaningful and godly relationship if we stay committed to the course. I actually wrote these a uh, few questions that I'm just going to go over with you guys right now uh, a year ago um, about this very topic, and it's about relationships. So just kind of do a little assessment. Can we go deep enough to have the real, not superficial conversation? Can we lovingly point out each other's blind spots and then eat the meat, spit out the bones instead of dissecting the meal? Can we be vulnerable enough to say what we think and mean what we say instead of doing the dance around words that go nowhere? Can we not just say we are sorry, but be sorry by taking responsibility and making a shift towards change when we mess up? Can we look for ways to be kind and nice before, during, and after sparks are exchanged? Can we approach each other with resolution and not justification in mind? Can we admit faults to one another? Can we let another person get close enough to a wound so that we can heal from what hurt us? Can we be robust and committed enough to let the right sparks fly and fight through them? Because if we do, I believe we'll have a treasured relationship worth keeping. Amen, Amen Stacy, as Pastor Leanne would do. I know that's heavy and that's a lot. So just kind of just, that's going to help us to assess as we move forward in the message. But I want to um, open this topic up through the book of Job. And in Job, a deal was made in the secret. Job didn't know what was going on. There was a deal between God and the devil. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, Job 1, 6 through 12. A, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and from on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. I find this fascinating that the devil going to and fro on the earth, and God says to the devil, consider my servant Job. Satan didn't ask for Job. What if when we are going through the hard days in our life and all kinds of things are happening to us, what if it wasn't because we did something wrong, but because we did something right? What if our lives, like Job, was on display in the heavenlies and Jesus was saying, take a look at my daughter, take a look at my son, and then says, go ahead, do whatever you want. I know this daughter and this son, and they will stay in relationship with me, and they will never curse me to my face. Go ahead. Whether you give or take away, go ahead. Could you imagine some of us, sure, things happen when we do things wrong, but what about when we're standing for what we believe in? What about when we're doing the things that are right before the eyes of God and the devil comes in like a flood? What if it's when we do something right? And I love it because the devil says, God, 
You give and you, you take, what if I take, if you take away everything from Job, he'll curse you. He's like, go for it. And, and the devil does. I mean, he takes everything from Job. Job had a beautiful family. They were annihilated. Job's health was taken from him. Boils on his skin, sickness and disease riddled his body. His land, his finances, everything was taken from Job. Satan went after everything. And yet, if you read the book of Job, he's constantly talking to Jesus. Point number one, nothing should ever cause us to leave our relationship with God. Job's pain was real. It's not pretend. We're not ignoring that it happened. It was real, but it never broke his spirit. It never caused him to lose his relationship with God. Job didn't understand his pain. He couldn't make sense of his loss. Job didn't know the end of his story. Like we read the book of Job and we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, flip, flip, flip to the end. You get it all back. Job's got to live it. He has no idea what's going on. Ever been there? Why is this happening? I can't understand. I'm doing it right. Maybe that's just me. I've had those, I've had those very real conversations with God. I believe it's time to lean into God in those moments. Sadly, often when we hit a conflict or a misunderstanding or a relationship gone awry or church hurt or whatever you want to call it, sadly, many people, they will begin to leave their friends, leave their family, leave their relationships, leave the church and leave God. Can we make a decision in our spirit like Job that come what may, that God, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Because Job said this in Job 121, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Imagine that when all hell has broken loose in our own lives and we go, you know what? I don't get it. I don't understand. But God, I praise you because you're God. But God, I believe you because you're God. Where else will I go but from your presence? And in Job's questioning, he began to question God like I think we all would on what in the world is happening. I mean, he was in such a bad place that the Bible says he was using shards of glass to try to console himself on his, with his skin. That's a bad day. And then the Lord questions Job. And he doesn't question Job to belittle him or his pain, but he's questioning Job to get him to see just how big of a God he has. So let's listen to it. And this was actually a scene in the musical Twisted. Uh, If you watched as Ebenezer was sleeping at night and looked at the screen, it was actually straight from the book of Job. And it says this, Job 38, 1 through 14, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Anybody in a whirlwind or have been? Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you. It's a little fear of the Lord right there. All right. Right there, I'm like, God, you are God. Okay. (laughs) It says, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind the barred gates, limiting its shores. I said this far and no further. 
you come. Here, you proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches the earth, take shape like clay pressed beneath the seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. It goes on and on and on in that chapter. And God is showing Job, look at how magnificent, look how big I am. And in comparison to that, what you are going through, in in comparison to that, what could I do for you? How could I get you out of that situation? How could I bring breakthrough to your problem in your world? God was showing him his magnificence. And in light of God, our problem begins to shrink smaller. Instead of focusing on the problem and shrinking God smaller. Number two, be careful to not misrepresent God in your pain. Be careful when in pain, when we get hurt, to not minister out of that place. Now, very different to, to, for me in my life, there are many times where I've gone through hell and back, where the unexpected has happened and I have found myself in a very troubling place. In those moments, that's not the time to stop serving. That's not the time to leave church. For me, in those moments, I can remember coming into the house of God, serving, ministering my heart out, because when I did, I would begin to see the goodness of God in the eyes of the person that I was ministering to. When I saw them healed, it brought healing to my soul. It reminded me just how awesome and mighty and magnificent God is as their lights turned on. So I am absolutely saying, yes, we minister when when, when we get hurt. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there's a line. And we need to make sure that we don't cross over and begin to minister out of pain. Because what will happen is instead of bringing hope and the word of the Lord, we will commiserate with the person. And then we we will sometimes transfer our pain to them. And the next thing you know, neither of us are being helped by the goodness of God. So we have to be careful. Now, this happened in, with Job's friends. They, they started out wonderful. The Bible says that Job's friends, he had three really good friends. And it says that, 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 he, that the friends came to Job when they heard about Job's tragedy and heard how Job had suffered. I hope that when my friends are going through pain and tragedy, I'm the person that goes, okay, let's get our friends and let's go to their house. That's what his friends did. So they started out well. They started out just like we all would. And then it says they, they got together. They, they, they went to console him and to comfort him. But then, and I'm just going to paraphrase for, for lack of time. It says, but then in their limited knowledge, his friends were convinced that Job wouldn't have been in his awful predicament if for not something he'd done. Anybody have a friend, a family member, or somebody get it wrong? And they're close to you. Okay says, the innocent don't suffer, they said. God rewards the good, they said. If Job would only come clean and admit his sin, he would be restored, they said. But Job was hiding nothing, and there was nothing to come clean on, and God doesn't just reward us when we are good. I have found that God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for relationship. And Job's friends got it wrong, and Jesus himself rebuked them. Job 42, 7 through 8. And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Elphaz the Temite. So, you know that God wants to get a word to you when he says your first name and where you're from. Just in case you're confused, buddy, this is you. 
says, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. We tell everyone, don't compare. Jesus does it all the time. He's like, you got it wrong. Job got it right. It says, for you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Point number three, let God be judge. Let God rebuke and not me. My question today is, do we give God time to judge? Or do we take matters into our own hands? We have to sit for three hours with a person and go over every indiscretion. Or are there moments where we go, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. I release to you. And give God time to be God. He's good at his job. Let him convict a heart. How beautiful when we are not the one in our own strength trying to rebuke another person, but instead let God be God, let him convict a heart. I love this because these friends that got it wrong and I don't blame them. I think, you know, I've probably been there sometimes. I've gotten it wrong too. I've done to the best of my ability. I give wisdom to the best of my ability, but sometimes I get it wrong. And I pray that in those times I stand before God and go, God, like David, is there any wicked way in in me? Show me. We all need to be transparent parent like those friends. What big friends that when they got it real wrong, they allowed God to speak into their life. And God rebuked them and said, you messed up. You got it wrong. Bible says, Romans 12, 17 through 19, never repay anyone evil for evil. Take Take thought for what what is right and gracious and proper in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath and his judicial righteousness. For it is written in scripture, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So much better to allow God to judge because we often don't understand or see things clearly when we're mad. And, 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 and it's hard to see the full picture. Job couldn't see his way forward. He didn't know what was going on. The friends didn't either. And, and I love it because the Bible says, that, because like, here's the thing. It's like, there's like three sides to every story. Your story, their story, God's honest truth. We all get it wrong sometimes. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But then when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully just as I have fully been known by God. Here's the beautiful thing. It's true. We don't know the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. God does. He knows all the parts What if we are raging against somebody, but we don't know what happened in the secret place. We don't know the supernatural behind it. We may have a sense of it, but we don't know the whole story. That's why we've got to give God room to move. Let's not quit on relationships too soon. Let's not be rash in our relationships. Let's give God room to move. Let God work behind the scenes. And when we pray to God, like David did, we need to start believing our prayers. We need to, David in the Bible was hilarious. If you read through the Psalms especially, it is like, he is like, when he gets upset, he goes to God and he's like, God, kill that person. 
But you know what I like about David? Like God knows how to work with truth. He's like, well, I'm not gonna kill him, but I get your point, David. And I love that God does that with us too. I mean, God can filter through just fine. Let's us be honest with God. Let's bring it to the right place. And then when we pray, we need to believe our prayers. There was, this is a true story, uh, a widow. And she had become a widow. She had a teenage daughter. And the teenage daughter was um, starting to, to backslide. She was raised as a Christian, but she started getting involved in things that she shouldn't have been involved in. And the widow was like, oh my goodness, like, what am I gonna do? I can't be around my daughter all the time. I can't control all her decisions. Uh, I, it's just me. I don't have a husband at home to help me. And so then she does what she, the only thing she knows to do and she begins to pray and she prays to God and she says, God, would you send guardian angels? Send angels to surround my daughter. I can't be there, but you can. Send your angels to protect her. Well, her daughter winds up going with a friend to a very well-known horrible club. The club was open 24 hours a day. It was known for uh, illegal activity and prostitution and she had gotten an all-access pass to this place, her and her friend. They go that night to the club. They're standing at the front of the doors. A woman walks out, a bouncer behind her. The friend shows her pass to the, to the, the bouncer and to the person in front. And it's an all-access pass, so they say, come on in. So her friend walks in. Then they look at her pass. And then the woman stands back. She looks at her up and down and kind of sideways. She goes, you're not coming in. Well, the teenager was indignant. What do you mean I'm not coming in? Come on, some teenagers know how to fight. She's going wild. And she's like, what? My friend is in there. She has the same pass I do. And this woman said, no, no, you're not coming in because I'm a witch. And when you walked up here, I saw you and an angel on one side and an angel on the other. And none of you are coming into this building. Let me tell you, when a mama prays, when a daddy prays, when a woman of faith, when a man of faith prays, God in heaven hears the prayers and is sending his reinforcements. Do we believe our own prayers? We got to start believing the prayers we pray. God is all powerful. He's magnificent. He is miraculous. We don't pray to a nothing God that hears nothing. We pray to a God who hears us and responds to his own kids. Last point is this. Point number four. Be repentant for your part. Forgive, pray for our friends who hurt us and still continue to be friends. Now, Sometimes when we're in conflict and there have been relationships gone awry, there does need to be some repentance. You know, some of us are running after relationships we need to let go of because we can't control another person. We can't make them do the right thing before God. We were not created as robots. We all can make our own choices, good or bad. So I'm not saying in this entire message, if you have been abused or, 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 or divorced and it was horrific to go back there, 
you know, we know before God himself what he's asking us to do. So I just want to make that really clear as we're in the message. That's not what I'm saying. There does need to be a level of repentance when things have gone really wrong. My sister um, was divorced, and I thank God. She was in a very bad situation, and God has restored her fully and completely. She's remarried, has two more beautiful children, and is in a magnificent season of her life. There's a time and a place, and we need to discern with the Holy Spirit before God in those relationships. But what I am saying is in the ones that we have let go of instead of let God, there is a let go and a let God. Don't stop relationships before they're meant to stop. Release them to God. Let Him be God. Now, here's what's beautiful about this story in Job. These three friends, they allowed themselves to be convicted by God. And then this is, is what happens. It's, it's, it's really extraordinary. They repented and they did what God asked them to do. They sacrificed a burnt offering. They admitted that they got it wrong. And then the Bible, God says, go to your servant, to, the, to Job and let him pray for you. It says this in Job 42, 9 through 11. So Elahaz, the Termonite, and Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namathite, went and did as the Lord commanded them. For the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, here's the thing. Let me, let me just set it up for us. When the friends come, when they have been convicted by God, it's not the time to rub it in their face. It's not the time to have hour-long conversations about how they got it wrong. Like, thank God they allow themselves to be convicted by God. And when they come humbly, I pray they have the grace for when that happens to me. I pray that when I get it wrong and I humbly go before a leader, a friend, a family member and say, I got it wrong, I'm sorry. They don't make me sit there and dissect the conversation. And how magnificent of Job. Do you know, I think it's far easier to forgive a friend from the privacy of our own bedroom. Oh Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, Jesus. That's not hard, that hard in the privacy of our own home and our own bedroom. These friends walked straight up to Job. The Bible says Job had not been healed yet. He had not been restored yet. He is sitting in unhealth, in unrest. He is sitting in the consequence that he doesn't even know why he's sitting there. He is disturbed. And yet his friends come to him and say, pray for me? I'd be like, you pray for me, you little brats. I was, I was floored by this conversation in the Bible. And Job extends his hand. He can look at the eyes of the person and people that hurt him for real. He's gonna look at him in the eyes. He's going to put a hand on their shoulder. And he's going to be such a man or woman of God that he's going to forgive and extend a prayer while his is yet unanswered. What a man. What a woman. And this is what the Bible says. So Eliphaz the Termonite, Bildad the Shehuite, and Zophar the Namanite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses. Somebody say when. Somebody say when. 
when he prayed for his friends, indeed the Lord gave twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all those who had been acquaintances before came to him, ate his food with him in the house. He had a meal with them like we were taught a long time ago. And they consoled him and comforted him for all of the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him, not the devil, that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver, each a ring of gold. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you laid your hands and looked on a person in the eye who hurt you and genuinely prayed for their well-being? When was the last time you had dinner with someone who previously hurt you? Are you still friends with somebody who crossed you and did you wrong? Can we, like Job, pray for those that have hurt us? Can we still be friends with people that hurt us? It says in Job 42, 12 through 16, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemiah and the name of the second Keziah and the name of the third Karen Hapak. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. What if we leave a legacy of forgiveness? What if we leave a legacy that goes from generation to generation to generation of, come on, girl, do the right thing. Come on, guy. I know it's not been fun. I know it's been a mess, but my God, he is God. Yeah, will I praise him? Yeah, will I serve him? God knows. God designed you and I. Do we not think that he could put us back together when we get broken? God knows what he is doing. Lastly, in Job, Job said, 42, verse number five. Speaking of God, I have heard you by the hearing, but now my eyes have seen you. Many of us pray, I want to see you, God. How about we look into the eyes of someone who hurt us and forgive them? For then we will see God. What happened to Job? He went from knowing about God, knowing of God, hearing of God, actually living out his principles and seeing the prosperous love of God. The Bible works. But when it was all taken away, Job saw Jesus revealed in a whole nother facet. Now he was a tangible God. Now he was so close that he was closer than a brother. Now he saw Jesus himself. Because let me tell you, to forgive anyone that has hurt us is supernatural. And it is a grace from God that we all have access to. Can I get an amen and can we stand to our feet? Pain is real but it doesn't have to break our spirit. And I believe this morning I am with a whole group of people that are ready to see God. Would you close your eyes right now? And if you're in this place and you're like, you know what, Stacy, it's true. 
man, I, I wrote some people off that I shouldn't have written off or I need to get bigger on the inside or I was about to head down the road of bitterness, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna halt that. I'm gonna release to God and, and let him be judged. I don't have to meddle in those things. I just have to get close to God. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hands to heaven so I can see you? Oh yeah, hands everywhere, hands everywhere. In fact, why don't we do this? Why don't you, why don't, why don't we just begin to walk forward and come out the altar and let's, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song and we're gonna allow God to minister to us. I'm gonna pray over us. So if that's you and you're like, yeah, that, that's me. Just come on forward. I know there was tons of us, but let's just begin to walk out and come forward and let's let God minister to us. Let's let God begin to speak to us. Come on. Let's all lift our hands to heaven. This is personal. This is you and Jesus. We're gonna pray. And I'm here believing that God's gonna do a miracle. Some of the greatest miracle in our lives are not just our physical healings, but it's a healing of the heart. I don't know another miracle like that one. I don't know how we can be in grief and God comes in and ministers to us and joy come out of ashes. How does that work? An ash, it signifies it's been burnt to the ground. There's nothing left. But how many know when we bring nothingness to God? Oh, a miracle can come out of that place. And I believe that in this room, there are walking miracles. So in the name of Jesus, come on, let's begin to position our hearts to God. I want you to begin to picture who is that person that hurt you? Who is that family member that got it wrong? What is that relationship of old? What was that divorce? What was that, that, that thing that we just can't seem to let go? What was that boyfriend that got it wrong? The girlfriend that got it wrong? What were those things that hurt us so deeply? Right now, in the name of Jesus, we release forgiveness, our part. It may not be the whole thing, but whatever responsibility is ours, we release to you, oh God. God, we say you be judge and not me. You be judge, oh God, and not I. Lord, I release. I release to a God that hears my prayers. God, do a miracle. God, do a miracle. Do a miracle in my heart. Do a miracle in their heart, oh God. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God, that you are a good Father. And though people have done us wrong, Lord, I thank you that you are big enough to heal any loneliness of heart, that you're a God who ministers deep on the inside of us, oh Father, and we bind and we break every work of the enemy. And I speak right now, and I bind every spirit of shame that has come in, trying to convince us that we've got to live in our mess. Oh no, we don't. We need to release to the living God. I bind shame in the name of Jesus. I bind fear. What if I do it? What if what happens? Oh God, I release my questions to the God who answers. I release, oh Lord, my life, their life to you, oh God. I bind the work of the enemy 
God that's trying to speak into our heart and life that is not of God, I say, stop it. You leave right now in the name of Jesus. I silence every voice from, from demons of hell and say no more, no more, no more torment, no more chaos. I literally see people leaving this place and when they walk out of here, there's a holy recalibration. You're gonna walk out and some things you didn't even know are gonna just start being put back together. Things are gonna become clear to you. You're gonna have wisdom on when to say and when not to. You're gonna have discerning of spirit, when to reach out and when not to. Oh God, I thank you that you are the God that speaks. Lord, I thank you that you have heard our cry, that you have heard our heart this morning. And Lord, we thank you that you are a magnificent, holy, wonderful, good, and mighty God. Come on, let's give a cheer for God himself. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.